Shabbat Shalom. I'm Rabbi David Levine, and this is Live From Home. I want to bring you greetings from my wife, Sandy, as well. And this is Arab Shabbat on Friday, June 26, 2020. This evening, Eric and Anya Painter will welcome us into their home, and they'll lead us in Hebrew prayers and in worship. And after that, Rabbi Yuri and I will join Live From Home again, and then we'll return to the Painter family for a final worship song. So right now, I want to ask you if you would please hit the share button so that you can let all of your friends know that this is a good time to join us. And if you haven't already, we'd love for you to use the like buttons and the follow buttons on Facebook in order to uh, show that you're part of Live From Home. Please join us with your comments as well. We'd love the chance to hear from you. And at the beginning, we'd like to greet one another and then we can enter into worship together and study together as well. A special greetings to our international friends all around the world and a warm welcome to all of our podcast listeners. So glad you could be here with us now. So from Sandy and me, Shabbat Shalom. Now let's welcome the Painter family to Live From Home. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome to our home. My name is Eric Painter and this is my wife Anya. And we'll begin tonight with the lighting of the candles and continue with the Shema and the Vashamru. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshanu Bidvarecha, Venatan Lanu Et Yeshua Meshikeinu, Vetsivanu Laiyot Olaolam. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified us in your word, and given us Yeshua, our Messiah, and commended us to be light to the world. Amen. Shema shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. 
It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord.
I have felt your faithfulness, yet I can feel so far from you. Despite my gratitude, so I want you to know, though I try to be faithful in all that I do, I need to remember to make time for you in my heart. I
Shabbat Shalom. This is Rabbi Yuri. Good evening and welcome into our home. Thank you, Eric and Anya, for ushering us into Shabbat. Please leave your comments and likes to us so we can know who is watching us today. So today I want to share one interesting place from the weekly chapter of the Torah that the Lord showed me a few years ago. And I want to project it into our life today, our today's life. And also I believe that what I want to share, it is so important for us today. It is so important for us. So we all know the story of Karach and the difficult situation among the tribes of Israel at that moment. It was a time of the rebellion against the Lord and the Moses. And it was such a hard moment at that time, specific time. Moses was not able to defend himself. So the Lord showed his miracle and defended Moses and Aaron. It's a beautiful story, important story to know. It is fascinating the way how the Lord resolved this great mountain of problems in that time period in the history of Israel. So I want to read from uh, Numbers chapter 17, verse, uh, verse 1 and uh, verse 8. So from verse 1, first verse. Let's read it together. Please bear with me. Numbers uh, 17, verse 1. So let's remember, this was the difficult, intensive moment in the life of Israel. It was not easy time. It was a great problem at that moment, at that time, at that space. So Adonai spoke to Moses saying, and again, I would like to capture our attention. This was not the Moses or not Aaron. It was the Lord, Adonai, spoke to Moses. It was his commandment. It was his direction. Speak to Bnei Israel and get a rod from each ancestral house, 12 staffs in all, from each prince according to his ancestral household. Write each man's name on his staff. Write Aaron's name on Levi's staff. For there is to be one staff for the prince of each tribe. Verse 4. Then you are to place them in the tent of meeting. Again, the very important part. You are to place them in the tent of meeting, Mishkana, before the testimony where I meet with you. It was the Holy of Holies, the Holy of Holies of tent of meetings. It will come about that the staff of the man I choose will sprout. I will then rid myself of the grumblings of Bnei Israel, who are grumbling against you. Verse 6. So Moses spoke to Bnei Israel. Each of their princes gave him a staff. One staff for each prince according to their ancestral houses. Twelve staffs in, in all. The Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before Adonai in the tent of testimony. And verse 8, this is uh, the final and the most important verse in this message. The next day, so until this moment, Moses were in charge. He gave the commandment for people to bring their staffs. 
but now he is not in charge of anything. The Lord is in charge. The next day, Moses entered the tent of testimony, and behold, Aaron's staff from the house of Levi, and I love this, Aaron's staff, and specific Aaron from the house of Levi, this one Aaron, had sprouted, blossomed, and produced almonds. So the Lord showed his will in the life of Aaron. He made clear to the Israelites who should bear the sacrifice. It was from the Lord. It was obvious for all Israelites. So I would like to read again verse 8. The next day Moses entered the tent of testimony, and behold, Aaron's staff from the house of Levi had sprouted, blossomed, and produced almonds. We know in the culture of the Israelites at that time, the staff would be a natural symbol of authority as the tool used by the shepherd to guide his flock. We all know the wonderful Psalm 23, and I would like to read it, verse 4. Psalm 23, only one verse, verse 4. It's a beautiful, important psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. His presence, his power, his authority revealed through his staff, through his rod, through his presence. So I would like to come back to this uh, story and I want to pay our attention on one very important detail, very important for us today. Aaron was not only called by the Lord, he had been given all the gifts and authority that he needed to do his job. He had everything from the Lord. First of all, he was a Jew and also he was high priest appointed by the Lord. The Lord appointed him. It was not Moses' idea. It was not his idea. And if you remember the story of his calling, uh, I read uh, uh, recently, it's a beautiful story. When he was called in the ministry, actually it was Moses who tried hard as possible to resist his own call. <laughs> he tried to avoid the call from the Lord in his life. So he, he was arguing with the Lord about his calling and the Lord appointed Aaron to be his mouth, to be his prophet. So it's a, it's a great story. So Aaron was called by the Lord without even knowing it. So Moses called Aaron because the Lord called him even before Aaron knew about it. So it was clear for everybody that it was obvious call from God, not from Aaron, not from Moses. It was called from God. But even so, it was still necessary that Moses put Aaron's staff into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of the Lord, so that it could blossom and bear fruit. It, this was a great miracle of life. The dead piece of wood became alive. Can you imagine this picture? It was the demonstration of the power of resurrection the victory over the death. The Lord resurrected this staff. He gave his life to the staff 
of Aaron to this dry and dead piece of wood. And the Lord commanded Moses to put Aaron's staff into the Ark of the Covenant forever. So it will be alive and blossom all the time. What a picture here. What a beautiful prophecy for us. Please think about it. How to project this today to our life? So let's, let us think about it. I strongly believe that our lives, our faith, our calling and our future is able to bloom and bear fruit only in the heart of the presence of the Lord. It is necessary for us today. We can't live as a life, as life of believers without his presence inside of us. We need him. We are dry without him. We can't bear fruit without him. He is important for us. It is only before the face of God, only in his presence, that our lifeless lives come alive, take on meaning and become fruitful. And I know that each of us are unique in our calling and in our lives. And it is very important to know who we are in the Lord. It is very important. But it also, it's not enough. It is only the first part of the story. Because the second part, it is also important to remain, to persist, to continue, continue to abide in the Lord's presence. It's not enough to receive the Lord only once in your life. It is important, it is necessary to stay in Him, to live in Him, to be in His presence. So to, to bear fruit, not only once, but forever. That is why Aaron's staff remained in the Ark of the Covenant, as a reminder of God's power of life in the Holy of Holies, in the presence of, of, of God. And I, I would like to uh, say to you that our calling is to live, is to blossom, is to bear the fruit for the Lord, for Him. We all need miracles and answers from the Lord. We need to experience the reality of God. So where can we find the Lord? Where can we remain in his presence? And I know it's very deep and um, important teaching and we can um, for hours think about it and for hours we can read the scriptures about it. Um, previously, there was the tent of meeting. Later, the temple in Jerusalem. But not today, not anymore. Today, Yeshua is our head and we are his body. The temple of the living Ruach, the Holy Spirit. You and me, we are together, the temple of God on this place, on this earth. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, who is in you? Can you imagine? Our body is a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, who is in you. Whom you have from God. And that you are not your own. And the same story, but the same uh, place of scripture, is in the first Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, 
as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Messiah Yeshua. This is the great mystery of the Bible. The Lord himself is living inside of his holy temple right now, which consists of many people who filled with the spirit of God, with his spirit. So Mazel Tov, we together, we are a temple of God. Therefore, we can find the amazing promise for us, for us. Please remember it because it's the beautiful place. It's Mark, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. So, and please open the scriptures with me because it's an important part. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. So think about it. Today, the Lord is with us because we are together with you. His life and his presence unite us in one body. His temple. Because we are gathered together around his word, around his presence, around Yeshua, his love and his mercy. The most sacred place on the earth today, the congregation of believers. And we are together because we are a congregation of believers. We are body of Messiah. Together we are miracle of God, the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy about the last time. We must never forget that nothing can replace the body of Messiah and who are part of it. So please remember, knowledge about the Lord without his spirit and his presence does not change anything. But where is the presence of the Lord? And of course, knowledge about him, but his presence too. There is comfort, there is peace, there is fruit, there is life. I want to read uh, John chapter 15, and tomorrow I want to talk about it more. What does it mean to live in the Lord, abide in him, how, how to, <clears throat> to follow him? What does it mean to, to, to bear fruit with him? But today I would want to read it uh, so we can think about words of Yeshua and we will come tomorrow to this chapter. It's in John chapter 15 from first verse. <clears throat> I am the real wine, it's Yeshua. And I love this word, real wine, because we have so many wines around, but Yeshua, he is the real wine. And my father is the gardener. Every branch which is a part of me, but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Oh, good news for us. <laughs> he prunes every, every branch that does bear fruit so that it may bear more fruit. Right now, because of the word which I have spoken to you, you are pruned. Stay united with me as I will with you. For just as the branch can't put forth fruit by itself apart from the vine, so you can't bear fruit apart from me. And verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who stay united with me and I with them 
are the ones who bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do a thing. Unless a person remains united with me, he's thrown away like a branch and dries up. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire where they are burned up. If you remain united with me and my words with you, then ask whatever you want and it will happen to you. This is how my Father is glorified in you bearing much fruit. This is how you will prove to be my Talmudim. Just as my Father has loved me, I too have loved you. So stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will stay in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and stay in his love. You did not choose me, I choose you, and I have commissioned you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask from the Father in my name, he may give you. This is what I commanded you. Keep loving each other. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's welcome Rabbi David from his home. Rabbi David. Thank you, Rabbi Yuri. That's a very good word about abiding in the Lord and remaining fruitful and how to, how to grow in our fruitfulness, how to become even more fruitful. You know, the, the first man, Adam, was given a command by God, be fruitful and multiply. And Noah was given this command. And then we can fast forward to Abraham and he was unable to multiply by having children with his wife, Sarah. But the Lord had a plan for him how to be fruitful and how to multiply. And it wasn't just a physical plan, it was a spiritual plan as well. And I think it applies to us. And it wasn't just a, a plan about abstract things, but it had to do with the kind of life that God wanted Abraham to live. And I want to talk to you tonight about a really important perspective on life that can help you in almost every kind of situation. And it's the perspective that God taught Abraham about the multiplication of blessing. And that's worth emphasizing. I want to ask you to write this in your comment section. So everybody who's on right now, I know there are a bunch of you on if you would just write this phrase, multiplication of blessing. Everyone who can type a comment in the comment section right now, whether you're live with us as we're live from home right now, or whether you're watching this on video later, please write this in the comment section, multiplication of blessing, because it's an important idea. God wants to use you to multiply blessings. He wants to multiply his blessings on the face of this earth. It's embedded in the passage that we're so familiar with about the call of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. You can turn there. That's not in our Torah reading today, but I want to connect to this perspective and compare it to Korah's perspective later. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed or will bless themselves. 
I want to show you that there are five different aspects of blessing in this passage. The first one is this, the Lord says, I will bless you. So that's number one. Number two, he says to Abraham, you will be a blessing. It's actually in the imperative voice, you be a blessing, be a blessing, Abraham. It's not the future tense, it's a commanding voice from the Lord. So the first aspect is the Lord will bless Abraham. The second aspect is Abraham will be a blessing to other people. And then the third aspect, the Lord says, others will bless you. And then the fourth is the Lord says he will bless those other people who bless Abraham. And then the fifth aspect, the Lord says that by Abraham and in Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So that's five different directions. That's multiplied blessing. It starts with just one person, Abraham, and then it spreads out, it multiplies. I mean, there's even the possibility of saying it became exponential growth of blessing. And all of us who are following COVID-19, we know something about exponential growth right now, don't we? Five different directions, five aspects of blessing, multiplied blessing. So Abraham learned to be a blessing. He blessed others. And he learned a very important perspective. Blessing can be multiplied. There's not a finite supply of blessing that has to be divided up. Rather, if you will, the supply of blessing or the amount of blessing can actually increase. And this is really important because it promotes an attitude of generosity and of sharing. And when I have this attitude or when you have this attitude, we can know that we can be blessed and we can also bless others. It's not what is called a zero-sum game or a win-lose situation. Some of you are familiar with that. A zero-sum game means there's a fixed supply of something that we both want and whatever I get, you get less. If I get more, you get less. It's not a win-lose scenario. If I win, you lose. If you win, I lose. It's not like that. It's not like there's just one pie, if we can put it that way. And if I get a larger slice of that pie, you can only have a smaller slice. Now, this is really important to understand. Blessing can be increased. It's not finite, it can actually grow. Much of society these days lives like blessings are limited. And if you get yours, I can't get mine. If, if I want to get the blessing that I need and that I deserve, it's gonna have to be taken from you. It's a deeply flawed perspective and it can produce unlimited kinds of trouble for us. God said to Abraham, I will bless you. And ask yourself this question, do you think God has only a finite supply of blessing? Now he could bless Abraham and still have plenty left to bless others. In fact, the Lord says that those who bless Abraham, he himself will bless. So the supply gets increased. You bless others, others will bless you, I'll bless them, everyone can get blessed. You see, blessing increases blessing. Blessing 
multiplies blessing when we have the right perspective. The right perspective shapes our attitudes and that shapes our behaviors. This good perspective I'm talking about leads to generosity, to cheerfulness, to valuing others and to showing preference to others. Generosity in this way, because I see that blessing can be multiplied, I can be generous and I can freely give. It leads to cheerfulness because I can happily give and I can rejoice that you are blessed. Sandy and I love to pray for the Mishpocha at Beth Israel, and we pray for God to bless you. We pray for increase for you. We pray for opportunities for you, and that you will make the most of opportunities, that you will be faithful in your work and in the opportunities where you're serving, and that God will promote you. He will bring increase to you. We're not only hoping that you'll just get by, we wanna see you with bounty that overflows and with real prosperity. This attitude also helps us value other people. I can recognize that every person's part is valuable. And this attitude also helps us to show preference to other people. I can help you get what you need and want, and I can still have a great life. Some people don't have that attitude. They believe that if they're going to have enough for themselves, then they can't be giving generously and freely and cheerfully. They can't be sharing. They live as if they are in constant poverty rather than the potential for abundance and bounty. In this week's Torah portion, we read as Rabbi Yuri was talking about Karach and his rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And I don't really wanna focus on the rebellion tonight. Rather, I wanna focus on Korach's perspective about his own life and, and life in general. Korach was not satisfied with his part. He wanted Moses' part too. He coveted Moses' part. Korach wanted what Moses had and he didn't want Moses to have it. In fact, Korah was given ministry that was very important, but he didn't value it. He wanted someone else's ministry in life. He didn't know the importance of his own work in his life. Korah didn't recognize the value of what God had assigned to him and the responsibilities that God had entrusted him with. And so he used his leadership gifts wrongly. And instead of bringing increased blessing to Moses, to Aaron, to all of Israel, to the rest of his tribe of Levites, or to the Kohanim, he brought division and he brought destruction. In fact, he lost his own ministry, his own life, and his own reputation. And to this day, he's like a watchword as a rebel of Israel. And he is a sad reminder of what can happen when we give in to the sins of covetousness. Now, the opposite of covetousness is this attitude of increased blessing, of the multiplication of blessing. I can give to you and I can want you to prosper without being afraid that it's going to have a negative effect on me. Your success 
does not come at the cost of my success. We can be successful together. We can be a blessing together. Oh, if our nation would get a hold of this, if the nations of the world would get a hold of this. Now, I want to talk about a, a sensitive issue that's theological, but it's also um, historical. In, in theology, the New Covenant is built upon the idea of increase and expansion, of multiplied growth by inclusion. The glory of God and the kingdom of God increase on the face of the earth. When more people love God and more people dedicate themselves to him and the life of faith. And those people who love God and are dedicating themselves to him are also showing their love and God's love to other people. There's a multiplication and an increase of blessing. Now for the first generation of Messianic Jews, this meant for them to go out and share the good news of the coming of Messiah. And first they went to those who were near, their own Jewish people. And then they went to those who were further away, the nations and the people groups that were around them. And as the Messianic Jews freely shared, there was increase for all as Gentiles. And Gentile simply means other people groups. As Gentiles were added to the community of faith, it was meant to bring increase to God and to other people. It was meant to be a blessing, to multiply blessing. But covetousness, a zero-sum bias, you could call it too, covetousness call, caused trouble. Theologically, it led to replacement theology or supersessionism, where Gentiles who became believers thought they took the place of the Jewish people. The Gentile concept of the church that developed took the place of the Hebrew concept of kehilah, of kahal, of community. And the Gentile church wanted to take the blessing of the Jews by taking the blessing from the Jews. Of course, not everyone felt that way. The power of replacement theology dominated, though the emergence of Gentile Christianity in the era of the bishops, and for many, even to this day. But thankfully, many now see the harm that attitude produces and that theology produces, and they've adopted a very different perspective. Thank God for the Jews and the Gentiles who value each other and appreciate how we can share in the blessings of the kingdom of God. The first generation of Yeshua's disciples learned that all of us are important. I hope you would write this down. You can put this in the comments. As many of you as are willing right now to write this in the comments, put it this way. All of us are important. All of us are important. And that's why today we can say you are important. The different nations, the different people groups, the different ethnic groups are important. Acts 10 verse 34 expresses an insight that the apostle Peter, who was apostle to the Jews, had when he was in Caesarea in the house of Cornelius, as God was pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles who were there who wanted to be saved by putting their trust in Yeshua, Peter observed what was going on and these were his words. Now I really understand that God does not show favoritism.
but he welcomes he welcomes from every nation from every ethnic group people who respect him who fear him and do what is right he has given this message peter said for the jewish people he's given it to us and we proclaim this it's the gospel of peace through yeshua the messiah the lord of all people groups the lord of all people groups i want you to pay attention to peter's attitude he was understanding something that god had an infinite supply of blessing and that he did not want to limit his blessing to just the Jewish people. That would be too small a thing. That was smaller than what God had in mind. God doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to bless others through you and by you and with you. Your being blessed is not at the expense of someone else's being blessed unless you have the wrong perspective. Now we all stand to gain and we all stand to increase when we see each other in the light of this importance that we all have with all of our diversity and all of our differences. We all stand to lose if we see each other with different eyes. This is an important idea in our country in this age. It's embedded in the phrase liberty and justice for all. Say this with me, for all. Even our founding fathers held to this ideal. It wasn't just for a few, it was for all. That was a radical idea that actually continues to empower us because we look at the condition of our brothers and sisters here in America, other men and women who are suffering and we say they need more freedom. They need more justice and they deserve it. And our country is made for that. Let's do what's necessary so that there can be liberty and justice for more and more until we can say we have actually done it for all. This idea is also embedded in the second great command to love your neighbor as yourself. It's embedded as well in the golden rule which you can find in several places in the New Testament. Matthew 7, verse 12 puts it this way. Therefore, whatever you want men to do for you, do also to them. For this is the Torah and this is the prophets. These are the words of Yeshua. Here's another translation for the New International Version. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the Torah and the prophets. In the English Standard Version, I also like, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Luke also has this rendered differently, but almost the same. Luke 6, verse 31, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Or this, do to others as you would have them do to you. As we learned when we were young, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Galatians takes this even further. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul, apostle to the Gentiles, is teaching the Gentiles about this attitude and how to really grasp the essence of Torah. He puts it this way, for all the Torah 
can be summed up in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He quotes the great command, the second great command that's found in Leviticus that Yeshua said is so tightly connected with the great, the first great command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You see, when we're loving God and when we're drawing close to him, we take life from him. We receive life from him. But not only that, we bear fruit, as Rabbi Yuri was talking about, and as he'll share more tomorrow. We bear fruit, and the fruit grows, and it multiplies. And when we do good to others, it multiplies blessing. When we understand there's not a finite supply of blessing, you and I can do things in such a way, we can live our lives in such a way that we bring increased blessing. We cause, if you will, maybe this is um, a little touchy, we can cause a pandemic of blessing. That would be a good thing. The Jewish sage Hillel put it this way, what is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah. The rest is the explanation. Go and learn. Here's my version. What you want for yourself, give to other people. I've been thinking about our generation, my generation, that grew up in the 60s, that experienced tumultuous times back then. And when we were young, my generation did some heavy lifting regarding blacks and whites and other ethnic groups. And we did the heavy lift of breaking out of segregation by going to school together. We weren't making the laws, we were living in the changing of society. We did the heavy lifting of serving in the military together, eating at restaurants together. Now, that for, for some people who are young right now, you may not even understand this, but there was a time when it was impossible for black people to be seated at a restaurant and eat at a restaurant with white people. In fact, there were laws against it. And the civil rights movement had to make that possible. And it took young people who had the courage to actually go into a lunch counter in the South and sit down in a section that was labeled whites only and, and really insist that they be served. And our generation back then began to eat in restaurants together. We became neighbors together. We traveled and we shopped together. And perhaps most significantly, we made families together, we worshiped together, and we worked together. And we're working together now every day. Think about it. We have in our congregation, but all over America, there are many families that have members who are black and members who are white. And there are biracial and triracial families. And there are in-laws and children and grandchildren and what would have seemed impossible when we were younger is now a visible reality. We need more progress for sure as we move towards the ideal. But now we know, 
Our generation knows that there are good and there are wonderful people of every color. Not every generation knew that, but our generation knows that. It's the opportunity of our generation. And, and now I'm talking about all of us together, every age, not just those who grew up in the 60s and the 70s, but all of us who are alive right now, it's the opportunity of our generation and perhaps even our lifetime to bring stability and peace and freedom and justice to us all. And here at Beth Israel, we put it into practice this way, by treating each other as family and community, we show our strength and the rightness of our effort, the love and respect that we can bring out to the public square, out to the public life, outside of the, the boundaries of our own congregation, will lift others up. And indeed, this is part of the heavy lifting that we need to do today. The love and respect that you and I can bring to the public square will lift us all up and cause us to be fruitful in this great effort and the opportunity that's in front of us. We're working together every day. And that's what we will continue to do because it is not only right, it is good. We will build upon the progress that we've already made, and we will move forward together toward the ideals and the promises expressed in our founding documents, but not yet fully in our experience. And we will do it not just for ourselves, we will do it for others. And whites will do it for blacks. This is part of our job. And we will do it for one another. And we will do it for blended families and for new immigrants and beyond. We won't stop with a little bit of progress. We won't be satisfied with tokenism. There is an opportunity if we grasp it, if we make ourselves available, and if we have this idea of multiplied blessing, there is an opportunity of a lifetime for us. And I believe that as we work together with good hearts, we will be able to distinguish between those who have good hearts and goodwill and those who do not. And we'll be able to put distance between ourselves and all those who are on the edges who would rather destroy and tear down. This is a time that God has given us. It's, a, it's an opportunity of a lifetime, and I am praying for all of us that each of us could do our part to multiply blessings. When you see others who need more from God, draw upon the reservoir of strength and power that God has given you. Draw upon the certainty that you have and the confidence that you have that blessings can be multiplied and give, <clears throat> give from your heart, give from your soul, give with intention so that you <clears throat> and your blessings can be multiplied. These are wonderful times. In the midst of trouble, we serve a God of peace. In the midst of uncertainty, we serve an unchanging God who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is the faithful one. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He also knows the middle. And he knows how to bring beauty out in its time in a perfect way. We're trusting him. We're looking for him. Excuse me for my cough. I'm not sick. I just got a little something in my throat uh, speaking tonight. 
We are looking forward to what's ahead. I'm looking forward. I tell you, I continue to do spiritual battle. Spiritual battle on your behalf and on our behalf and on behalf of our city and our nation that we would be able to seize the day, carpe diem, we would be able to seize the opportunity and we wouldn't settle for token results or just outward and symbolic things, but we would go deep and we would do the heavy lifting in our generation in this time so that great progress of justice, of freedom, of equality for all could be accomplished. You know, if we do that, if we have a heart looking out for others, if we remember that that we ourselves were slaves in Egypt, if we remember that we were immigrants who had no rights in Egypt, if we remember the history of the Jewish people, if we remember carefully that all those who have been joined to Messiah are just like those who have their citizenship in a faraway country, a country called heaven. If we remember that, then we can approach every day with a great attitude. We can look at what's going on and not allow our emotions to be dominated by other people's agendas. We can allow the kingdom of God and the love that God has given us to grow strong in us and then to be expressed by us to other people. We can be a blessing. Just like Abraham learned, we can be a blessing. Just like Abraham taught us, we can be a blessing and God will multiply blessing through us. I hope that the time that we have together like this encourages you. And if it does, let us know. We love to hear from you. We love to hear your testimonies about how God is using our life together and our ministry together to accomplish so much and to bring fruit into your life. If you're from far away places, far away from Jacksonville, let us hear from you now. If you're watching right now, just join in the comments. Let us know where you're living and bring us your Shabbat Shalom so that we can greet you as well. We love to end time like this with with a time of greeting and gladness as well. I want to thank everyone who is standing firm with Beth Israel in this season with continuing support. Thank you for your generosity, for the faithful giving of your tithes and your offerings, your faithful, steady giving, your timely giving of your tithes and offerings really makes it easier for us to continue our ministry and to move forward together. We so appreciate your generosity and your cheerfulness and your sacrificial giving as well with your tithes and offerings. If Live From Home is a blessing to you, would you consider supporting us now? You can go to BethIsraelNow.com slash giving. You can get all the information about the different ways that you can make a contribution. You can do it online through our giving platforms, Giving Fire and PayPal. They're both very easy to use. They're very secure. And you can also use the U.S. Post Office and your bank pay service. So in every way that you choose to make your contributions to us, we want to say we're so thankful to you and we're so grateful to you. And we can tell you this, it's our desire through Live From Home, it's our desire through Messianic Jewish teachings, it's our desire through our podcast, 
through all the work that we do at Beth Israel and all the work we do together with uh, our partnership with Shalom Network International and with Messianic Jewish Teachings, all the media that we're using, Facebook and YouTube and, and our um, web pages as well. All of these are designed for one purpose, to freely give you a blessing from the Lord. That's what we're glad to do. That's what we are so thankful to do. That's what we're called to do. And we thank you for your generous and for your cheerful support for us. Well, I want to close tonight with Aaron's blessing as we normally do at Beth Israel. So you can gather together with your family if you're watching together. And after, after this, we'll join Eric Painter at his home for a final worship song together. But let's gather together right now the Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Shabbat Shalom. Let's welcome Eric Painter. Shall be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them sing his praise with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the laugh. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will bless the humble with Yeshua. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. All oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Let the saints rejoice in his glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will bless the humble in Yeshua. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. And he will bless the humble in Yeshua. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Let the saints rejoice in his glory. Let them sing joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will bless the humble in Yeshua. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Oh, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song in the congregation of the righteous. Praise the Lord.
Shabbat Shalom.